Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. This podcast is ran by two ladies who play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. Also, this podcast does cover topics of sensitive nature, and as such, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Wheel of Crime podcast. My name is Jen. And my name is Emily. Welcome back to another week of uh, hopefully good times, maybe even great times. We will find out. Um, <laughs> but how has your last week been, Jen? It's been all right. Uh, <laughs> did you do anything fun for April 1st, Emily? The good oh. old April Fool's Day? Well, you know me, I'm just such a prankster. Um, <laughs> hey, we pulled some pretty sick pranks back in the day together. That's because I had you with me. I don't naturally come up with ideas. <laughs> You're mm. the instigator. I see. That's probably true. <laughs> right? Well, it's because of your older brother. He's the prank master. You learned from the best. I did learn from the best, you know. We uh, did, uh, Emily and I did one year put post-it notes all over my boyfriend at the time. And um, we did it at like 3 a.m. And he was so mad. And he called me the next morning. He's like, some kid came and pranked my car. (laughs) And now there's post-it notes everywhere. And I was like, oh yeah, some kid. Uh, um." Crazy. See, I remember him, him t- like, talking about how he was late for work, and so he's, like, driving to work, and there's post-it notes flying off of his car. <laughs> he was late for school, because we were in college at the time. Oh, And he okay. was, like, he lived, like, 20-ish minutes away from the college, and his class started in, like, five minutes, so he was, like, rushing to get out the door, and he came out, and there were post-it notes everywhere. <laughs> I still think it's funny. That was a great one. I, that was that was good times. Um, I don't know. See, like I was saying, I'm not really like an idea person. And also April 1st is my brother's birthday. So I usually just celebrate his birthday with him. And uh, he's he's getting older. He's 13 now. Um, Ooh. So really into games and stuff. Uh, you know, other teenage boy things. Um, super cool. Mm, I feel like... Yeah, that was, that's been basically it. Nothing too interesting. What about yourself? You you cook up a hot prank for your your fiance this year? No, uh, we actually spent the weekend in Canmore together. It's oh. our anniversary on April first as well, so Cute. we did something nice together. <laughs> oh, I love that. I think that's super sweet. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I love going to the mountains. <laughs> Me <Okay>. too. <laughs> I know. I feel like that's such a our part of the world thing, or at least our part of Canada thing is like uh, running away to the mountains for anything and everything. But I love that. I love that for us. Um, yeah, that's I how know. I imagine uh, the east coast of Canada is with their lakes. I don't oh, know what probably. else they have out there. Uh, they just have lakes. Niagara Falls. Maybe they just like run to Niagara Falls when they're in their feelings. They're like, come on, guys. We're going to go look at the falls. <laughs> I mean, when near the falls, what do you do? Go look at the falls. There you go. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, as far as life stuff, nothing really has happened that I feel like I need to to share. Uh, 
you should you should tell ta- tell ta- tell the listeners your story about your vehicle though and how you <laughs> how you hate mechanics now specifically ma- men mechanics i've got a vendetta guys uh, i okay 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 <laughs> um so i had noticed that when my car was getting up to around 90 it started to shake a little and i you know being the big brain human i am was like that doesn't seem normal so i took it in to go get fixed and the mechanic was like, there's literally nothing wrong with your vehicle. You're fine. Your top, your tires are aligned. Like there's your, your tires are fine. Like everything's good. And I was like, okay, like it's just so strange. And you know, I guess I just was like, okay, I guess that's just what my car does at 90. That seems really odd, but you know what? I guess this is how it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Emily came a, like a couple weeks later and we were driving somewhere and she was like, man, like your car is shaking. And I was like, yeah, I guess it's just our, my car at 90. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and then you're like, that's just, it's, it's just a little quirky. It's, <laughs> this is my quirky car. <laughs> it shakes violently at 90 kilometers an hour. Like, it never used to do that, but I guess that's just what it does now. I don't know. And then a few weeks later, I was like, you know what? No, like, this does not feel normal. Like, I know something is wrong. Like, this is concerning me, and it gives Mm -hmm. me anxiety. I have a lot of car anxiety because I've had a lot of car things happen that are just kind of traumatic. There's got to be something with, like, I don't even know, like, I want to say your star sign because people are always blaming their star signs, but the amount of like car related problems you've attracted in your life is bonkers to me. I've never had any of the problems that you've had, with the exception of like obviously like a popped tire, but you have an issue with your vehicle, either the doors getting kicked in or somebody tries to like slice your soft top or your vehicle shakes uncontrollably at 90 kilometers an hour. <laughs> Or your your tire blows up halfway to Regina, or like I just I can't understand what's happened. There's got there's something there. I got some bad car juju karma. Karma. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I was talking with my partner, and I was like, I don't know, like it just feels wrong, and he's like, you know what, like. I, I would hate to think that they would, like, discriminate you against because you're a fucking woman, but I'll book an appointment and go take it in and see what they say. And I was like, okay, like, kind of half expecting them to turn him away, too, and be like, no, it's fine. Yeah. And then we get a call that my tires are literally shredded from the inside because of a misalignment that happened the last time I went to get my tires aligned and so now I need four new tires and I'm like are you fucking kidding me and then we took it for a drive after I got everything replaced and fixed and whatever and it was like smooth no shake it, it was like back to normal and I'm like hey I literally knew that something was wrong and everyone was gaslighting me I mean like it's fine this is normal but that's the thing is that the amount of times like for like especially like car related things that even I've been gaslit for is amazing. I love when I like clearly notice a problem and take it in and I'm like, "Hey, dudes, this is an issue." And they're and then they look at you straight in your eyes and they're like, "I don't see anything." No. That's not a problem. It's a feature. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. You're dumb." 
You and your big female brain, you stupid. You don't know car stuff. And I'm like, well, I mean, I do. Can I can feel it shaking. And it's scary. And they were like, literally like, oh, yeah, your tire's about to explode. That's the thing, though. Is you like, don't have to be a mechanic to notice when your car is doing something it's not supposed to be doing. I feel like that's not rocket science. If you were driving your vehicle and you're like, hmm, why does it scream at me when I go over 100 kilometers an hour? I think that's like a pretty noticeable thing where you're like, yeah, probably a problem. I don't think that takes like mechanical knowledge. Yes, exactly. People are just out to get us. <sighs> Very frustrating. My bank, ad- my bank account shred... Four tiers. One for, for each tire. Tires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That's too good. But yeah, I know. Now I feel like I should probably share something from my week, but I just genuinely... Oh, I did find out that um, apparently I've been poisoned more regularly than I thought. Uh, I was in a conversation with somebody who used to own a business beside where I work, and they informed me that when they were there a couple of years ago... That they had caused a gas leak and didn't tell anybody. And I was like, wow, man, life is just really making sure that I encounter every poisoning, poisoning scenario I can possibly encounter and just make it through. And then people are like, oh, Emily, why do you, why do you always complain about feeling shitty all the time? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe because I keep getting poisoned, but it's fine, I guess. I mean, I feel like it does prove that your body is resilient. You're not dead yet. See, and now I'm feeling gaslit because everybody's always like, oh, Emily, with her, like, a low immune system, she's always getting sick. In the meantime, I'm, like, stronger than everybody else because I'm being constantly harassed by my environment. <laughs> it's like, do you remember? Oh, I got really sick because I had a fish tank in my room and uh, something happened and I got really sick from the bacteria in the fish tank. Do you remember that? I do. I do remember that. Wild, dude. I literally had a fish tank in my room for years and never had that issue. Mm, I got super sick from having the fish tank in my room. Took out the fish tank. Immediately stopped being sick. Uh, I was somewhere else where um, I was staying uh, at a camp. I won't say which one. But I was only there for like two days and I got really sick. They ended up finding that out that um, there was something wrong with the filtration system in the camp. And so everybody was breathing in lead particles. Oh, God. Yeah, that was fun. I stayed in another place once where um, they had mold in the walls and didn't tell anybody. And I had to find out from one of the kitchen staff. And then they were like, oh, yeah, there's like this thing where like that place that you're staying in. The reason why nobody's there is because it's full of mold. And I was like, ooh. (laughs) Sweet. Tasty. Ooh, great. What hospitality you guys have. Right? Or um, I remember eating half a pizza once and then realizing that um, whoever had cooked the pizza had put a piece of plastic underneath and I actually just ate like half a sheet of plastic. Ew. (laughs) Oh, God. It's been a rough go. The trauma's coming back. I have to... We're going to leave this behind. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But on a different note. Let's, let's not spin talk about our how wheel I get of questions. And, yep, yeah, spin the wheel of questions and then you can guess the topic for today. Okay, I'm really looking forward to it. If you could magically learn an instrument overnight, which instrument would you pick? 
I've always wanted to learn the saxophone. That would be fun. Yeah, I feel like I could be like, you know, a cool like jazz musician or something. I don't know. Okay. I could ooh, I could see that. Um what for about myself, you? uh I would want to learn the fiddle. Ooh. Or they're like more or less the same thing. I know whoever's listening and has knowledge is probably going to get mad. But, like, violins and fiddles are built very similarly. So I would learn that because then I could also play the violin. There you go. A two for one. It's funny. Two for uh, one. We were at a shoot this morning and uh, we had a violinist there. Hey, there you go. <laughs> You're like, look, Whoa. it's just full circle. Emily, the the, the future magical violinist fiddler lady see i just wish i had time for these kinds of things because i would love to learn a cool instrument i just don't have time to do it yeah same i i that's how i feel about language too like i really want there's a couple languages i really want to learn and a few years ago i was really like starting to uh i really want to learn asl and -hmm. i was like starting to kind of like get in the habit of it and then i got like slammed at work and have not been unslammed since and have like completely lost all progress see well and then the thing too is like you can always start a hobby but it's usually like expensive to start and then if you don't stay with it then you just kind of feel bad for like starting something that you didn't finish yeah right free time what is that it's made up i don't think it actually exists but uh on that note let's spin for our next question okay would you rather be unbearably hot or cold? Like as a consistent thing. Like if you had the choice of waking up every morning and living in a place where it was unbearably hot or unbearably cold, which one would you pick? I would rather be cold. Same. I feel like we've probably talked about this in general before, but I still stand by what I, te- what I tell people every time, which is you can always put on more clothes. You cannot take off your skin. There is no way to get Literally. less hot. <laughs> it's so much harder to get cooler than it is to get warmer. Mm-hmm. Like warmer, you got blankets, fire. Like there's so many options. What are you gonna do when it's too hot outside? exist and then rip your skin off like you like you can there's only so much you can do there's only so many cold showers you can take in a day mm-hmm. or ice baths or uh you know what I, or like air conditioning but even air conditioning so like say uh you don't have an air conditioner then you just exist in hot suffering like they're like you know at least if your heat kicks out in your house you can like get blankets I don't know. Or, like, do other things to kind of warm the place up. Yeah. I don't know. Or, like, move around, right? I know. uh, It's, like, a whole thing. But, um, it sounds like we're on the same page, though. So let's spin for our next question. Okay. So, what's the most evil thing ever? What is something that you've dealt with or that you deal with that, for no reason, it's just evil? All the time, always, and you hate it. Hmm, that's a tough one. What's yours? So, uh, mine, even though it's not an all-the-time thing, I just don't understand why it's necessary, uh, is mosquitoes. 
Because I am one of those people with a blood type that makes it so that they, like, find me all the time. I'm, like, mm. in my house and they will be bumping up against the window and I'm like, hmm. Love that. And just, I don't know why. I don't know why they have to exist. I don't know why they have to steal my blood and leave a bump behind that's, like, itchy as all hell and ugly I don't know why they gotta be in, like, literal swarms of, like, millions of them and just follow you around like a bunch of creeps. I hate them. <laughs> They're so evil. I don't know why, like, there's no nothing good that comes from that. Like, nothing good comes from a mosquito. And then people are like, oh, well, they are part of the environment. If we didn't have mosquitoes, what, what, what the other insects eat? I don't know. The other things they eat, probably. I don't think there's a single insect that is like, I only eat mosquitoes. I don't think that's a real thing. Yeah. I feel like there's probably a few types of bugs that you could say that about. Um, yeah, it also don't like wasps. But. Yeah, I was thinking like something that like, you know, how people get like infestations of like cockroaches. We don't, I don't even know if we have cockroaches here, but I feel like uh, that's something I hear people in the States talk about. We don't. Um, we can. But in general, we don't really get a lot of cockroaches up here. I believe it's, like, not the right environment for them or something. Even yeah. though they can live through anything. <laughs> the indestructible bug. Yeah. Um, but I think, what I think is evil is people who cut in front of you in traffic, in parking lots, in drive through lines. They're just fucking evil. I just can't stand that. It's like the rudest thing, and it makes me want to ram their car. Mm -hmm. Or uh, you could also say another evil thing is like taxes. I get why they're like, necessary, taxes are but I don't good love them. For the, you know, greater good of our country, you know, pays mm -hmm. for our health care, whatever. But the fact that I have to do my own taxes when the government knows how much I make, that's what bothers me. Thank you. Okay, I was like, so I'm on the same page as you. I understand why it's necessary. But the whole thing where it's like, okay, it is your responsibility to do all these different things. And also, like, you're going to go to jail if you don't do them right. And also, we know everything. Like, then why give that it's power like, to me if I'm going to go to jail if I do it wrong? <laughs> Literally, sir, you're probably smarter than I am. Can't you just fucking do it for me? Like, why do I have... Why is this my responsibility? Exactly. And it's like, I... If it is so necessary for me to understand how taxes work, why the hell is there not a class in school for it? Like, like in high school. Like, college, I feel yeah. like you, there probably is, like, an additional class you can take where it explains it to you. But, like, if this is a, a life requirement... Why not have a class that explains it instead of just being like, oh, here's this thing you know nothing about. You're required to do it once a year. Have at her. Don't do it wrong or you're going to jail. Or if you don't go to jail, you're going to have to pay a fuck ton of penalties and mm -hmm. interest. And it just is scary and gives you anxiety. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you hate yep. it. Yep, yep. And then they make me collect GST because I'm a fucking business or whatever. But I'm like, why do I have to collect GST and so that I could pay it? Like, it it makes no sense. The system makes no sense to me. No. I don't understand why I have to collect GST just to, like, give it back to the government. Like, why is that my responsibility mm -hmm. to collect money from other people to send to the government? Like, shouldn't that be their job? It should be. There's lots of things. There's lots of evil things, but that is definitely one of them because I feel like that's pretty fresh for this time of year is tax season. And um, I don't know. I, I bet you if we really got into it, we could probably come up with like a million other evil things. But yeah, 
I don't get it. Not I don't for get me. it either. All right. Should we spin for our last question and then you can guess what the topic is? Yes, let's do it. What, in your opinion, is a creation of the devil? So not the most evil thing ever, but like what is a object or just a thing that is obviously a creation of the devil? Either it just doesn't make any sense or it's overly difficult for no reason or whatever have you. Spiders. They're too scary. And for what? (laughs) That's funny. (sighs) And you're right. Actually, I don't know why they have to be scary. That's my thing is I understand that they're good because they eat a lot of like bugs and stuff. But also, why do they have to look like that? Why do they have to have eight legs? And why do they have to walk like that? And why do they have to have so many eyes and little fangs? And why the fuck are they so creepy? And why do I find them in my bathroom in the summer? And then I scream and then my partner wakes up in like a panic because he thinks I'm being murdered. But there's just a giant fucking spider in my apartment and I'm afraid. Yep. 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 That's true. That's and they put their fucking the webs devil. everywhere. So then if you have one in your house, it's like there's just shit everywhere. I'm like, can you not leave your secretions behind, please? Oh, mm-hmm. yep. Your icky body juices with spider webs and all of that other fun stuff. Disgusting. Like, get um, out of my house. I didn't invite you in. Right? Terrible. I know. I'm feeling like, uh, I'm trying to think of what my answer would be. Mm, a creation of the devil. Um, there's definitely a lot. I'm trying to narrow it down to a good one. Potholes. Hmm. I think potholes are a creation of the devil. Because every spring I always ram into one that makes me, like, pray to God and be like, please let me make it home and not find a hole in my tire. Because I slammed into one pretty good back when I was driving Winston. And Mm. I pretty much immediately blew up my tire. So that was fun. So potholes, I think, are a creation of the devil. Also because I encounter them regularly in my life. I also hate potholes. I feel like anything vehicle related made by the devil like why is why is mm-hmm. everything at minimum five hundred dollars like that's what i don't understand that's true actually everything just life is expensive so much work um but yeah so with that uh can you guess what my topic is for you today i have two thoughts so my first thought is that it's like maybe a musician who made a deal with the devil or something okay. like that or it's some sort of evil creature that the devil created that uses like music to lure in its victims or something hmm you're close ish close ish so i'll read out my description to you and then we'll go from there okay okay the devil in christianity is the personification of evil and the author of sin who rebelled against god in an attempt to become equal to god himself He is depicted as a fallen angel who was expelled from heaven at the beginning of time before God created the material world and is in constant opposition to God. The devil is identified with several figures in the Bible, including the serpent in the Garden of Eden, Lucifer, Satan, and the tempter of the Gospels, the Leviathan, and the dragon in the book of Revelation. Ah. So this is everybody's lucky episode this time. April Fool's Day to you. We are talking about the devil himself. 
I mean, April Fool's Day was last week, but... I know it's late, but still, I needed this. <laughs> Fair. I understand. <laughs> well, <Right>? then. No. <laughs> does, the, does the devil play the fiddle or what? Well, I was really trying hard to get questions in there that were, like, alluding to the topic, but not really giving it away. So, uh, the instrument one was just in a reference to the song The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Uh, the unbearably mm. hot or cold has to do with the, the different depictions of hell, where it's, like, one circle's really hot, one circle's really cold or something. Um, and then the other things are just kind of in relation to his, uh, his evil ways, so to speak. Ooh. Well, yeah. I am very excited to hear your story. So I think with that, you could should just take her away, Em. Oh, sure thing. So, <clears throat> in the Bible, especially the New Testament, Satan, also known as the devil, comes to appear as the representation of evil. Enlightenment thinkers endeavored to push the figure of the devil out of the Christian consciousness as being a product of the fantasy of the Middle Ages. It is precisely in this figure, however, that some aspects of the way God deals with evil are especially evident. The devil first appears as an independent figure alongside God in the Hebrew scriptures. Their evil is still brought into a direct relationship with God. Even evil, insofar as it has the power and life, is affected by God. And then uh, there's a quote from the Bible, which is, I form light and create darkness. I make wheel and create woe. I am the Lord who does all these things. And that's from Isaiah uh, 45.7. Um, uh, so that's just basically saying that in its own way, the devil is also a creation of God, so to speak. Um, so with that, we will continue on. So uh, in the book of Job, uh, Satan appears as the partner of God, who on behalf of God puts the righteous ones to test. Only in post-biblical Judaism does the devil become the adversary of God, the prince of angels who, created by God and placed at the head of the angelic hosts, entices some of the angels into revolt against God. In punishment for his rebellion, he is cast from heaven together with his mutinous entourage, which are then transformed into demons. As ruler over the fallen angels, he continues the struggle against the kingdom of God by seeking to seduce humans into sin by trying to disrupt God's plan for salvation and by appearing before God as a slanderer and accuser of saints, so as to reduce the number of those chosen for the kingdom of God. So thus, Satan is a creature of God, who has his being and essence from God, and he is the partner of God in the drama of the history of salvation. And he is the rival of God who fights against God's plan of salvation. Through the influence of the dualistic thinking of a Zoroastrian religion during the Babylonian exile, which is from the years 586 to 538 BC in Persia, Satan took on the features of a counter-god in late Judaism. In the writings of uh, Qumran, I believe it's, or Qumran, sects who... The Quran? No, it's spelled a little differently. It's not the Quran. It's uh, it's similar though. It's like Quamron. It might be the same thing and just a different iteration of it. But I'll go with kind of how it's uh, pronounced here, um, which uh, preserves the Dead Sea Scrolls. Belial, the angel of darkness and the spirit of wickedness, appears as the adversary of the Prince of Luminaries and the Spirit of the Truth. 
The conclusion of the history of salvation is that the astrological battle of the prince of luminaries against Belial, which ends with the judgment upon him, his angels, and the people subject him and ushers in the sensation of worry, groaning, and wickedness and the beginning of the rule of truth. So, in the New Testament, the features of an anti-godly power are clear prominent in, fi in figures of the devil, Satan, Belial, and Beelzebub, the enemy. He is the accuser, the evil one, the tempter, the old snake, and the great dragon, the prince of this world, and the god of this world who seeks to hinder the establishment of God's dominion through life and suffering of Jesus Christ. Satan offers to give to Christ the riches of the world if Christ will acknowledge him as the supreme Lord. Thus, he is the real antagonist of the Messiah, son of man, Christ, who was sent by God into the world to destroy the works of Satan. He is lacking, however, the possibility of incarnation. So what, what that means is that his, his role in the Bible always has been as like uh, the evil one, all of this all of these things, but he is not capable of reincarnation, meaning that he, as being cast out from heaven, you know, in the beginning, uh, is the same as he is today because he is not able to uh, become anything else, really, um, as hmm. a fallen angel. Well, that's kind of sad that the devil can't, like, reinvent himself, you know, like, like a... Well, he can, but only if he robs other people. So he can't do it himself. He has to take from other people, which is why one of his motivations is to, like, seduce people to sin because it gives him power and allows mm. him to do some of these things. I see, you know, so that way, you know, he can, like, chop his hair and bleach his hair blonder or something and, like... And then go blue and then pierce his nose, yeah. Makes sense. I'd probably yep. seduce people to sin if that's what I needed to do as well. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, right? So, uh, where was I? Okay. Mm um, he's lacking, however, the possibility of reincarnation or incarnation. He is left to rob others in order to procure for himself the appearance of personality and corporality. Uh, as opposed to philanthropia, the love of humankind of Christ, who presents himself as an expiato expiatory uh, sacrifice for the sins of humankind out of love for it. Satan appears among early church teachers, such as Basil of Caesarea in the 4th century, as the misanthropos, uh, the hater of humanity, the vis-a-vis, -vis, the bringer of heavenly beauty, and he is the hater of beauty, the, the mesokalos, with uh, Gnosticism, a loose movement of groups that had postulated in a transition, uh, transcendent god and a lesser creator god, Dualistic features also penetrated the Christian sphere of intuitive vision. So, in the letters of Barnabas, early 2nd century, Satan appears as the Black One. According to the 2nd century uh, apologist Athenagoras, he is the one entrusted with the administration of matter and its forms of appearance, the spirit hovering above matter. Under the influence of uh, Gnosticism and Ma Manichaeism, a synchronistic religion founded by Manny, a 3rd century Persian prophet. There also followed, based on their dualistic aspects, the demonization of the entire realm of the sexual. So this is also how the devil gets tied into, like, uh, like the, the sexual side of things and why, like, there's such a view in Christianity or Catholicism where, like, um, if you engage in anything sexual, that, that's a, a direct tie to the devil. 
This is where that is starts. very scandalous, you know. He's the most scandalous. He's just too sexy for his own good. Um, the devil's too sexy for this shirt. Too sexy, too sexy for, for his shirt. So sexy it hurt. And then he was cast out of heaven. <laughs> oh, that's rude. It was very rude. Um, thrown out of heaven like a bouncer at a club found him and said, Hey, dude, you can't be here. Pew! And that's how that happened. Bye, dude. We're repressed up here. We don't want you and your sexuality. We, we don't want you and your sex things. Um, your sex realm, <laughs> as they call it. So this appears as the, spe- the special temptational sphere of the devil in sexual activity and the role of the instrument of diabolic enticement devolving upon women. So, dualistic tendencies remained a permanent undercurrent in the church and determined, to a great extent, the understanding of sin and redemption. So, that's the other thing, too, is because the devil is more or less uh, portrayed as being a male figure, that directly led to the de- the sexual demon- demonization of women through the church. Hmm. It's all coming together now. Yes. So, um... Women Satan- are the devil, in fact. Th- that's what we've been saying. That that's the whole thing. We're like we're all in the same club. Basically. It's the sex club. <laughs> we us women and the devil are all in the same club. It's the sex club, obviously. Truly, you know. Truly, um, and so. Uh, Satan remained the prototype of sin as the rebel who does not come to terms with fulfilling his godlikeness in love to his original image and creator, but instead desires equality with God and places love of self over love of God. So, among the early church fathers, the idea of Satan as the antagonist of the, of the Christ, or of Christ, led to a mythical interpretation of the incarnation and disguise in the form of a servant. Through this disguise, the Son of God makes his heavenly origin unrecognizable to Satan. In some medieval depictions, Christ appears as the bait, cast before Satan, after which Satan grasps because he believes Christ to be an ordinary human being subject to his power. In the Middle Ages, a further feature was added, the understanding of the devil as the ape of God, who attempts to imitate God through spurious, malicious creations that he interpolates for, interpolates? Interpolates. For or opposes to the divine creations. So um, it's just, again, talking about how um, through a lot of uh, medieval depictions that uh, Satan is viewed as the antagonist because rather than worshipping God, he instead views God as his equal, but he will never attain it. So he's always being depicted as like um, a figure that's always reaching for a divinity that he will never possess. And so Mm. looks the fool because he's always trying to be something that he's not because his love of himself is so much greater than his love of uh, outside of himself or his love of God or creation. I see. I see. Yes. I mean, it makes sense why their nemesis is. is, is, is. Yep. It's all coming together. So uh, in the Christian historical consciousness, the figure of Satan plays an important role not least of all through the influence of the revelation of John. The history of salvation is understood as the history of the struggle between God and the demonic antagonist, who constantly new means uses new means to thwart God's plan of salvation. The idea of the stratagems of Satan, as developed by a 16th century fortress engineer named Giacomo 
Aconcillo, had his roots here. This altercation constitutes the religion, the religious background of the drama of world history. Characteristic here is the impetus of acceleration already indicated in Revelations, which is the blow and counter blow in the struggle taking place between God and Satan, following in ever shorter interval, intervals, for the devil knows that his time is short. And that's from Revelation 12, 12. So, and his power in heaven has already been laid low, on earth the possibility of his efficiency is likewise limited to the return of the Lord, hence his attacks upon the elect of the kingdom so increase in the last times that God is moved to curtail the days of final affliction, for if those days had not been shortened, no human would be saved, and that's from Matthew twenty four twenty two. Many of these features were retained in the philosophy of the religion of German idealism, as well as the Russian philosophy of religion, and according to the 20th century Russian philosopher Nikolai Berdiev, like the Germans Friedrich Schelling and Franz von Bader before him, the devil has no true personality and no genuine reality and is instead filled with an insatiable hunger for reality which he can attain by stealing reality from the people whom he takes possession so that was pretty wordy but um it just talks about how the struggle between god and the devil kind of just amounts to the same thing time and time again in history which is that um he always is reaching for something he can never have but he piggybacks off of people and uses the power of people to get what he wants for the time being. Well, that's rude. It is rude. So He sounds like one of those, like, he, he you know what? It makes sense that he's a man. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I was going to say he sounds a little narcissistic, actually. When, when I was doing my notes for this originally, I was like, wow, he's like, he's like, um... What's the word? Uh, definitely a narcissist. And also, um, oh, I was thinking something else. I can't remember. But yeah, certain things check out. A narcissist, but also just the worst, you know? Also just the worst. Um, and so, since the Enlightenment, Christian theologies, who found the mythical pictures of Satan to be irrelevant distorting or confusing in Christian thought and experience have set out to demythalize this figure. Apologists such as the British literary figures C.S. Lewis and the Russian philosopher Vladimir Solov, uh, however, have written cautionary words against this trend. They conceive that it would be to represent the devil's most cunning attempt at self-camouflage would be to demythalize and camouflage um, and that the camouflage would be certain new proof of his, of his existence. So all that means is that um, both New Age and Old Age um, people who have studied uh, like uh, Christian, uh, not like mythology, but like the history of like retellings through uh, through time, uh, say that as a a person who is a believer of uh, the religion of Christianity or Catholicism, that the worst thing that you could do would be to take away. Um, the myth behind the devil because uh all it would do is camouflage him and his intentions from people and in a sense you are buying into what he's he's selling to you because he doesn't want you to think like the devil doesn't want you to think that he's a problem so if you change the religion and the retellings to 
minimize the devil's impact or to not make it as big and scary or like woohoo. Um, you're actually just giving him more power and more ability to pretend to be something that he's not and influence people. Hmm. Does that kind of make see. sense? It's the the backwards logic coming through. Definitely. So, um, that that's kind of it for my like super like wordy oogity boogity bit. Um, it just made the most sense to do it that way because it's like straight up history retelling basically. Um, but I do have, uh, just to kind of finish off my notes here, a, like, iteration of different, um, interpretations of the devil in the Bible, um, because I thought that was really interesting. So, the, in the Bible, the devil comes up, and usually they just call him the devil, but there's certain retellings in the Bible, because each one of the, the, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of those different people, they each mm -hmm. are writing their own stories, right? So they all come across very differently. And so in some of them, they don't say the devil. That Instead, there's, like, a different represent representation or representative. Um, right. So I'm just going to kind of get into that a little bit because I thought it was really interesting. Um, so uh, in some parts of the Bible, um, which do not originally refer to an evil spirit or Satan... Uh, we have uh, retrospectively interpreted as references to the devil. So the first one is the serpent. In Genesis 3, it mentions the serpent in the Garden of Eden, which tempts Adam and Eve into eating the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thus causing their expulsion from the garden. God rebukes the serpent, saying, I will put... I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And so that's Genesis three fourteen to 15. Um, although the book of Genesis never mentions Satan, Christians have traditionally interpreted the serpent in the Garden of Eden as the devil due to Revelations twelve nine, which describes the devil as that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to earth with all of his angels. This chapter is used not only to explain the fall of mankind, but also to remind the reader uh, of the enmity between uh, Satan and humanity. So it is further interpreted as a prophecy regarding Jesus's victory over the devil, which reference to the child of a woman striking the head of the serpent. You know, that's the part of this whole thing that bothers me like what did the snake have to do with anything he's just there vibing he was wrong place wrong time um and then so after the serpent we have obviously lucifer right so yeah. uh the idea of fallen angels was familiar in pre-christian hebrew thought from the book of watchers according to which he, angels who impregnated human women were cast out of heaven and the babylonian <laughs> hebrew myth I know, right? I was, like, reading through this, and I was like, there is so much to unpack here. So, uh, the Babylonian Hebrew myth of a rising star, and as the embodiment of a heavenly being who was thrown out for his attempt to ascend to the higher planes of gods, is also found in the Bible, which is Isaiah 14, 12-15, was accepted by early Christians and interpreted as a fallen angel. So, Aquila of Sinope derives the world Hillel, the Hebrew name for the morning star from the ver from the verb yalal to lament. Thus, this der derivation was adopted as the proper name for an angel who laments the loss of his former beauty. 
the christian church fathers for example saint jerome and his vulgate translated this as lucifer so the equation of lucifer with the fallen angel probably occurred in the first century palestinian Ju judaism the church fathers brought the light the fallen light bringer lucifer into connection with the devil on the basis of us saying that jesus in the gospel of luke um i saw satan fall from heaven like lightning and in his work de principalis prominium and in a homily on book uh, xii the christian scholar origen uh compared the morning star Eusphorus lucifer with the devil according to origen uh hillel Esphorus lucifer fell into the abyss as a heavenly spirit after he tried to equate himself with god um this is from cyprian uh circa 400 and jerome uh circa 345 to 420 and ambrosius uh 342 397 and a few other uh church fathers essentially subscribed to this view they viewed this earthly overflown as a pagan king of babylon and as a clear indication of the heavenly uh overthrow of satan in contrast the church fathers uh hieromenius cyrillus of alexandria from the years 1412 to 444 and eubius uh 260 to 340 saw in uh, isaiah's prophecy only the only the mystifying end of a babylonian king which means that lucifer is supposed to not even be the devil but a different fallen angel and they just tied them all together based off of a mistranslation that happened a really long time ago. So there's two devils. Which one is our co-host? Mm, I want Lucifer. He seems like much less narcissistic. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense for us. Right. But yeah. And so, uh, and basically that the word Lucifer was just a creation based off of a couple of mistranslated Hebrew words and that they are different. Um, the devil and Lucifer are supposed to be different. But they are just retold as the same because they have a same a similar story. Because they were both cast out of heaven for both um, trying to equal themselves to God. So there's that. Man, see, it's all these fucking men who are like, I'm a god. And everyone's like, you literally suck. There's no way you're a god. Right? And then I love, too, the little sidebar where they were like, yeah, they were also cast out for making human women pregnant. And I was like, That's how we got all the Greek gods. Exactly. It all comes together. But um, <laughs> next, I have uh, one called the Cherub in Eden. So um, some scholars use Ezekiel's Cherub in Eden to support the Christian doctrine of the devil. So... In quotes, uh, you were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl, gold work of tambourines and of pipes was in you. In the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anoint uh, the anointed cherub who covers, and I set you so that you were on the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. And that's from Ezekiel twenty-eight thirteen to 15. So this description is used to establish major characteristics of the devil, that he was created good as a high-ranking angel, 
and that he lived in Eden and that he was turned evil uh, and that he turned evil on his own accord. And the church fathers argued that therefore God is not to be blamed for his evil, but rather the devil's abuse of his own free will. Snaps. He's like, oh, you got to take responsibility for your own damn actions. Literally. Snaps to that. Also very poetic. I love that description. I wish somebody would describe me as being adorned with ruby, topaz, and emeralds. Honestly, I wish I had all that stuff right now. Just right? I'd be one To adorn my bitch. new tires. <laughs> I wish I had rubies to adorn my fancy new tires. <laughs> exactly. The amount in which you would be robbed immediately is hilarious <laughs> to me. I don't even think you'd make it off the lot. Worth it. I've had someone... You know the, like hubcaps on your tires that like have like a logo usually oh yeah i've had them stolen off my car like i've replaced them like four times are you serious i'm like why why do you want an emblem that says ford i i don't understand probably to put on their own vehicle because they had theirs stolen uh (laughs) you know what that's really funny it's a cycle now it is and i also don't know why anybody would want that I've on. I've never ever experienced somebody stealing my hubcast before. I've been told that on Winston, because he was a very old Chrysler, that I had really nice hubcaps on him because they were the original ones that came with the vehicle. Uh, but that was about it. Well, mine aren't originals, so <laughs> I'm fucked. There you go. But I got it's, one It was more. probably the devil who stole them. You know what? Oh, probably. He was like, mm, these are too nice. They should be on my Ford. The devil drives a Ford. <laughs> they should be on my GMC. That should be on my truck. Right? So uh, I do have one more depiction for you. And then uh, that basically wraps it up. But um, do you remember earlier when I was talking about Bel- Belial? Belial? Yes. So, uh, in the Old Testament, the term Belial, uh, with the broader meaning of worthlessness, denotes those who work against God or at least against God's order. In uh, the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, thirteen fourteen, those who tempt people into worshiping something other than Yahweh, which uh, Yahweh is God, another way of saying God, um, uh, are related to Belial. In the Samuel, the first Samuel. 12 to 12 the sons Eli are called Belial for not recognizing Yahweh and violating uh, sacrifice rituals in Psalms 18:4 and Psalm 41:8 Belial appears in the context of death and disease in the Old Testament both Satan and Belial make it difficult for men to live in harmony with God's will Belial is thus another template for a later conception of the devil so Belial is again separate from Satan but Belial is also a generalized term for basically people who um, are actively working against God. So it's a, it's almost like another way of saying demon is, is Belial. So uh, in the early rabbinic literature, Satan is never referred to as the evil one, the enemy, the Belial, the Mastrema, or Beelzebub. And no Talmudic source depicts Satan as a rebel against God or as a fallen angel or predicts his end. Ancient Jewish text depicts Satan as an agent of God, a spy, a stool pigeon, and a prosecutor of mankind, and even a hangman. 
He descends to earth to test men's virtue and lead them astray, then rises to heaven to accuse them. On one hand, both Satan and Belial cause hardship for humans, but while Belial opposes God, represents chaos and death, and stands outside of uh, God's cosmos, Satan, on the other hand, accuses uh, what opposes God, and Satan punishes what Belial stands for. Unlike Satan, Belial is not an independent entity, but an abstraction. So, kind of, again, what I was saying earlier with, like, it being more of, like, a demon thing. And then also, um, it talks about how in, like, when the texts and when people talk of Christianity and they talk of Belial, usually uh, it comes in the same part where uh, Satan is not meant to be depicted as the same as that, but rather uh, as an agent, of God, who leads people astray with the intent of punishing them in, like, in front of God. So that's another interesting take, and that's basically it. My story is done. Uh, what, what is your thoughts? I feel like whenever there's demons involved, you just know it's not the vibe. Yup, and this is also why there are so many retellings of the devil in, like, all these stories that I've covered, and, like, throughout history because there's so many different interpretations and so many different um, denominations of either cultures or religions or people who each have a different view on what the devil is. So it's just kind of, it used to be a lot of different things. Now it's all just one thing. Hmm. Makes sense. I feel like the society that we live in today makes it easier for people to consolidate ideas society yeah exactly you got that right um but yeah no is there anything else you'd like to add or should i um wrap it up well i mean i did love learning about our 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 occasional co-host on the show so i know it was it was time i really been putting off this story for a while but the moment was today Happy late April Fools to you. Jokes on everyone. It's true. And I've got quite an interesting story that weirdly relates in store for next week, which is our, uh, which just so happens to fall on Good Friday. Ooh, that's exciting. Like, weird similarities. I'm delighted. So. Hmm. No. Well, great minds think alike. Our two brain cells talk to each other once. Once in a while. Definitely very different uh, different stories. So you guys will have to tune in and see. Mm, I am intrigued. Um, so with that, I suppose that brings us to the, the end of today's episode. Uh, if you like this episode, you can always visit us on our website and check us out there, which is www.wheelofcrime.com. Otherwise, we do have social media. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Wheel of Crime. If you would like to send us an email just to say hello, even, our email is wheelofcrime at gmail.com. As well, uh, we do have a Patreon if you would like to donate to the show and get a little something in return, which is uh, Wheel of Crime on Patreon. And as as well if you'd like to leave us a review because that would be super stellar and awesome you can say literally whatever you want but please leave us five stars that is uh anywhere you listen to your podcast whether that's apple Podcasts, spotify it helps us with the statistics so uh that would be a big a big help there for us yeah i i think that's about it that wraps her up and with that we hope to see you again next week and we'll talk to you then okay bye sounds good bye